Good morning, Crosspoint family. So glad that you have chosen to join us this morning for our worship service and our message. I hope that uh, you find yourself well, and I also hope that this message will be encouraging, insightful, and life-transforming for you as it has been for me, and I trust that it will continue to be. This morning, I have the pleasure of bringing you a message entitled, The Necessity of Prayer. The Necessity of Prayer. Let me share with you a key verse that has to do with prayer. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and it reads, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And beloved, we need Him. Every hour, every second, we need Him. God is our creator and our sustainer. And if we are going to live for God's glory, we need to learn to depend on Him. And He promises us that as we are able to come to His throne with confidence, because He's listening and He cares for us, we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us in our time of need. <clears throat> because even as Christians, we are constantly in, in, in times of need. And if you look around, obviously, in our culture, in our families, in yourself, you realize we are all in constant need. And so God promises us that if we take things to Him in prayer, we will find strength and we will find help in Him. And that's an awesome, awesome blessing. <clears throat> the main point this morning is as follows. As Christians, we must learn to take everything to God in prayer if we want to succeed in living for God's glory. If we are interested in living for God's glory, it is utterly important that we learn to take everything to God in prayer, especially big events. Especially big events. We're going to talk about that today. And what I hope to do when we look at 2 Kings chapter 19, we're going to look at a very special individual. His name was Hezekiah. He was a king uh, of Judah, and he was faced with a very interesting and very big situation, we might say problem. So what I'm hoping to do this morning is to be able to go through this story, uh, a short part of it, and look at five lessons from Hezekiah's prayer that will teach us about the necessity and the approach to prayer. You know, prayer is a funny thing. Uh, it's something that I think as Christians we realize it's very important. There is power in prayer. I think everybody believes that, understands that, knows that. And yet, I've yet to find somebody who tells me that their prayer life is right on point and needs no improvement. You know, why we don't pray more is, is uh, just beyond myself and I think everybody else. So let's learn to, let's realize that there is a necessity for prayer. And in looking at this lesson, we're going to draw out five points that we could learn and hopefully apply in our lives. You know, it's especially important to be in prayer when big events are before us. So let's take a look at Hezekiah. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 19, we're going to read from verses 10 through 19. We're going to go slow in the, in the sense that we're going to read uh, a small portion at a time. Uh, but at the same time, we're going to go really fast because we have five points and we don't have a lot of time. So get ready. I hope you're taking notes. Every point is going to have uh, letter P. Uh, that that is, is the main word from that lesson, from that point. And so I hope this is of a great Great blessing to you. The reason in part also why I want to talk about prayer this morning 
is because if prayer is a necessity, especially when we go through uh, big situations, problems, or opportunities, uh, then I want us to realize that as Crosspoint, as a family, as a church, as a congregation, we are at a crossroads in many ways, right? If you're familiar with Crosspoint, uh, and I say that because I know there's people that follow us online and watch these videos and these messages that aren't or haven't yet been part of Crosspoint. But if you've been part of Crosspoint, you realize that we've been going through some, some major changes. Every church has gone through major changes because of COVID-19, and we hope to reopen our doors soon. We're looking at about a month away. It's not set in stone, but that's, that's kind of what we're looking at, about a month away to be able to have our first service back here on campus. So keep that in mind, keep that in prayer, but uh, that's, a, that's a big thing for us to reopen. Secondly, you probably have heard that we are in the process of developing a new discipleship, a simple discipleship process for Crosspoint. And that's a big deal. We've been working really hard. We are hoping to be able to communicate that and roll that out also very soon. We are also looking at um, re, you know, reopening our doors. We're, we're looking at the possibility of, of having our church services, our Sunday morning worship experience services in the gymnasium. And so we're in prayer about that. We have people that we're consulting with getting ideas, looking at that prospect. And so that's also a big deal. And as you know, uh, Bruce Brokus, after 41 years of being the senior pastor here at Crosspoint, retired. And so I was asked to take the interim senior pastor position. I was glad to do that, and I've been doing that. And so uh, the elders also have a big task of, of choosing a senior pastor soon. And so a lot of big stuff happening at Crosspoint. The best thing that you and I can do, the best thing that Crosspoint can do for itself is to be in prayer. At the end of, of this message, I hope to bring some very practical applications, something that we all can do. And, and I would expect for all of us to be willing to jump at the opportunity to be part of a 40 days of prayer campaign. But I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. First, I want to lay down the groundwork and say it is important for us to realize that prayer is a necessity for us, especially when we are facing big problems or, in our case, big opportunities. So let's take a look. Join me in following, follow along in 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 19, and let's look again at five lessons that start with the letter P and, uh, and see what God has for us. Let me start with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to spend this time together. I thank you for everyone who's listening to this message. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would open our understanding, and that you would transform our lives. We look to you with expectation, trusting in your goodness and your grace. So we pray for your blessing on this uh, service. I ask this in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Five lessons from Hezekiah's prayer that will teach us about the necessity and the approach to prayer. Let's start us off with 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. Hezekiah is a very interesting individual. Let me give you a little bit of background. He was a 12th king of the southern kingdom, which would be Judah. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole history there, but he was a, a, an outstanding king. His dad was not, was not so. He actually had a dad who was quite wicked as a king of Judah. But 
This is a young man that at the age of 25 became king of Judah, and he reigned and he did some great things for the nation of Israel. A lot of reformation and going back to, to God as, as, their, as, their, as their king. Um, I will talk a lot more about him, but Hezekiah, as a king of, an, uh, of Judah, was faced with a very interesting situation here. So let's start reading that. 2 Kings 19, verse 10, it says, uh, he gets a letter from basically the kings of Assyria. He gets a letter, and the letter says this. He says, Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. What? Saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the kings of Assyria. Look, you have heard that the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? Gazan and Haran and Razeth and the people of Eden that were at Talesar? What is the king of Hamath, the king of Aprad, and the king of the city of Sepharim, Hena and Ivah? Hezekiah as king gets his letter from the kings of Assyria saying, blasphemous things. He says, Hezekiah, as a king of Judah, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you. Oh, they're talking smack against the king of Israel, against the Lord of heaven and earth. They tell Hezekiah, don't let your king in whom you trust deceive you. Beloved, uh, we, could, we could make a whole sermon out of this point here or out of this verse. We have to be on guard. The enemy is always trying to deceive you and cast doubt, telling you and me, don't trust in that God in whom you trust. You know, don't let him deceive you. That goes back to the serpent in the Garden of Eden, trying to cast doubt in our faith and trust towards God. And here's Hezekiah facing this situation. And so our first point when it comes to the necessity of prayer is for us to understand this. Problems will always arise. And here we see starting in verse 10 all the way to verse 13, we see that Hezekiah, as he attempts to reign over Judah, gets this letter, and before you know it, you have this huge problem. The king of Assyria is planning on coming and utterly destroying you, and in the process, he's blaspheming against your God. What are you going to do? Beloved, we have to understand that problems are always going to arise. I, 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 I feel safe to say that all of us are going through problems, even right now. Now, some of our problems might, might differ, certainly, in circumstances. And in, in, you know, some, some of our problems are you know, more difficult than others. But we're all going through problems. And, and we have to understand that even as Christians, problems are always going to come around. And that's actually okay. We don't have to panic and feel that maybe God has abandoned me or God is necessarily punishing me or disciplining me. Maybe He's just testing us in order that we will grow closer to him. So problems will always arise. And my question to you is, what problems are you facing right now? And as we understand our problems and we admit our problems and we face our problems, then we could do the following from what we're going to study here. Listen to what Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength 
a very present help in trouble. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that when you become a Christian, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer going to have any problems. That is a lie from hell, beloved. We should never think, because it's not biblical, that because we're walking close with the Lord, we're never going to have any problems. We're going to have problems. Psalms 34, verse 17 through 19 says that the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. God delights in us learning to depend on him for salvation and for him to rescue us and for deliverance. God is glorified through that. When we find ourselves in situations that we can't handle, then God steps in and saves the day every time. He promises that. Our Lord Jesus Christ in John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And listen to this. In the world you will have tribulation. Don't be surprised when you're going through tribulation, no matter what it looks like. But be of good cheer, the Lord says, I have overcome the world. And we're going to see that play out here for Hezekiah and the kingdom of Judah. So listen, a common problem that we have in the church, unfortunately, is that people are ashamed to admit their problems. And that in itself is problematic. We have to be very, very careful with that. And, and, and because we're ashamed to admit our problems, because we're not taking a biblical view of our, of our lives and realize that even when we find ourselves in trouble and problems, God is there and God is working. So we become ashamed that we're going through problems, whether it's relational, you know, health-wise, whether it's uh, financial, you know, some of those things seem embarrassing. And so we keep them to ourselves. But beloved, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to keep your problems to yourselves. Well, that's not what we want here at Crosspoint. That's not what God wants for you. And we have to be careful that we don't make people feel like that. And one of the easiest ways to make people feel ashamed of sharing their problems is for us to go around acting as if we don't have any problems. You know, we go to church and we get all dressed up. And then we, we uh, I was going to say, we, we threaten our kids, you better behave when we're out there, you know. You, maybe you look at your husband or your wife and say, like, come on, can you just behave for one hour while we're at church? You know, and, and almost unconsciously, we, we come to church and we gather and we try to put this, this perfect front. We need to stop that. I already know you're not perfect. And you should know that I'm not perfect. In fact, we're not even close to that. So don't be ashamed when you find yourself in problems or in trouble. That's, that's an enemy's tactic towards your life. God wants us to, to share these problems, to confess our sin, and to find help and encouragement within God's family. So let's be careful with that. For, so the idea of, of being embarrassed because we're going through problems, I say no more. I say that stops. I say we change that culture in our church, and everywhere around us. You know, especially people that don't know the Lord, 
because they have major problems and we have the solution. They look at you as a Christian that seems to have it all together. And then for us to show vulnerability and share with them what we're going through, our struggles, and then give glory to God is such a powerful witness. Let's not waste that. We're all sinners in need of God's amazing grace, and we need to learn to love one another. So, you know, as Crosspoint, we are at a crossroads in many ways. I mentioned up. Let me just recap them really fast. We will be reopening our doors soon, Lord willing. We will be relaunching with a new simple discipleship process. We will be having a new senior pastor. We are going to possibly have a new place of worship. You know what the, all that tells me? We need prayer. We need to be in prayer. These are maybe not problems. They're more like opportunities. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. So the first thing we need to realize is that problems will always arise. Second point. Second point. For Hezekiah, he gets a letter and says, you're about to go down just like everybody else around you. And your God is not going to be able to, you know, protect you. Wow. They obviously don't know the one and only true God. Second point, beloved. Not only will problems always arise, 2 Kings 19, 14, and 15, the first section, we need to realize that, uh, well, let's take a look at the presentation of the problem. Look at what Hezekiah does. Let's learn from his reaction towards this problem that, that, that confronts him. So after he reads this letter, it says, verse 14, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messenger and read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. He spread it before the Lord. He gets the letter. He reads it. I don't know what he felt. You ever get a letter from the IRS? You know what I'm saying? You ever get a letter with that overdue bill? Or you get a letter from uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles? Or you get a letter from, you know, one of those letters. And you read it. And then your, your whole heart just sinks. And then what do you do, beloved? Because those, those, those types of letters are going to get to you. That type of information. When somebody calls you and says, are you sitting down? I got to tell you something. And then you get some bad news. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when these problems arise? You know what Hezekiah does? He takes that letter. He reads it. And then he goes and presents it before the Lord. He goes up to the house of the Lord and he spreads the letter before the Lord and says, look at this. Look at this. Let me read the first part of verse 15. And he says, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Well, we'll save that for the next point. So he presents the problem. He presents the problem to God. We need to do the same. When you have a problem, you need to take it to the Lord in prayer and present it before Him. Now, that sounds really simple. But, beloved, I think as, 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 a, as a church, as believers, we lack honesty. We lack honesty. When it comes to confession, even before the Lord, 
you know, we, we find it difficult to really just let it out and give it over to Him and confess it. We suppress so many things. We avoid so many situations. We act like they don't exist and that maybe if we just ignore them, they're going to go away. And all of those things build up in ourselves. We got to be careful with that. We have to learn to be honest. And then the Bible says to confess our sins once to another. Beloved, you are not supposed to be living your Christian life by yourself. If you still have this idea of like, well, I could be a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. That's a lie from Satan. Now, there's people that can't make it to church. That's a different story. If you're able to make it, you need to find a good Bible teaching church where you can plug in with people and put into action the things that God commands us to do. We would love for that to be cross point. So we got to stop carrying junk around. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, problems often don't get resolved simply because we refuse to address them. And, and we play the victim sometimes even. You know, I've been carrying this problem for years. You know, the Lord's not going to feel sorry for you. He's going to say, why are you doing that? I already went to the cross. And I already said, give those anxieties over to me. Why are you carrying them and playing the victim? That's not how it works. So, beloved, many problems in our lives don't get fixed simply because we don't address them. Hezekiah gets this letter. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't put it in the shredder. And hope that maybe, maybe uh, the kings of Assyria will get lost on the way to Jerusalem and, you know, maybe something. He doesn't. He faces it, he takes it, and then he spreads it and presents it before the Lord. We need to do the same. What are you carrying around? And how long are you going to carry it for? Let it go and experience the peace that God offers you. It's not always that easy, I understand, and so we are here to help. We would love for you to contact us at crosspointchristianchurch.com. There's a section there if you need prayer, if you need somebody to talk to, I would encourage you to do that. We need to expose the ugliness so that God can demonstrate His power. We see that when, when again, when our Lord Jesus Christ tells Martha, roll away the stone. Where, is your, where has your brother been? Uh, where, did he, where have you laid him for the last four days as he died? And he says, roll away the stone. And Martha says, no, it already stinks in there. And the Lord says, take that stone out of the way. Let's expose the ugliness and let's take care of it right here. And he will say the same thing to us. Stop hiding. Stop pretending that your problems don't exist. And bring them to the Lord in faith and see him work in your life. All right. You know, we see the woman at the well. The Lord had an appointment with her. And he goes and meets with her, starts talking to her, and, and, and she was really good at hiding stuff. And the Lord says, you know, he's trying to give her the gospel and say, hey, I'm the Christ. And she's, she's not getting it. And she's, he's offering her living water. And she's thinking physical. And the Lord says, all right, we got to get to the bottom of this. Go call your husband. And then she says, I don't have a husband. And the Lord says, you're right, you don't have a husband because you have had five and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Woo! Imagine that, exposing the ugliness. He would say, stop hiding it. You can't hide it from me. Beloved, God knows everything. Everything about you, everything about your past, 
everything about your present and everything about your future. And still he loves you. But he loves you so much that he's not willing to leave you the same. He wants you to expose that ugliness. He wants you to take that darkness and bring it to his light. And in there, you will find freedom, forgiveness, joy, and peace. Don't lose out on that. Don't lose out on that. Hezekiah brings these letters and presents them to the Lord, lays out the problem before him. As Crosspoint, we want to acknowledge that we don't have the answers to everything. We acknowledge the fact that when we look at our vision and we would want to see God do at Crosspoint, we don't have the means to do it. We don't have the intellect we don't have the experience. Maybe we feel like we may not have the proper resources. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that what we expect God to do is something that we ourselves cannot handle on our own. And we want to bring that to the Lord. And we're taking a step of faith, trusting that God will intervene, lead and provide for us to do his work in a way that will honor and glorify him. You know, none of the leaders, the elders of the church, are, are uh, arrogant, thinking that, hey, if we do this, we're going to get that. And if we just do, that's, that's not our approach. Our approach is we believe that God wants to do great things, greater things here at Crosspoint. And to do that, we need to make these changes. Do we know for sure? No. But we know for sure that God is leading us, and we know that He's going to provide. If He's leading, He's going to provide, and He's going to make it happen so that He takes all the credit, honor, and glory. That's where we stand. We're bringing this over to God and saying, Lord, we want to follow your lead, but we understand we're not worthy, we're not able. We need you. We need you. And we need to acknowledge that as a congregation, as a church. We can do that as a church, and we can do that personally. Just individually, you look at your life and you realize all these situations, problems, maybe opportunities that you have, they're too much for you. And that's okay. That's when we surrender and we give it over to the Lord and we learn to depend on His strength. And God is honored through that. Point number three, moving right along. Not only do we realize that problems will always arise we need to present the problems to the Lord, and we need to have, number three, a proper perspective about God. Look at 2 Kings 19, 15 through 18. Look at Hezekiah, how he starts his prayer. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. I'll stop at verse 18 and just say that I believe Hezekiah had the proper perspective about God. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. When we dare take steps of faith, 
We're trusting in the God who is able to do much more than we could even imagine or think. That's where our faith is. We don't trust in ourselves. We trust in the God who has saved us and chosen us for this very work at this present time. What kind of a God do you have? Is it a small God or is it a big God? Now, obviously, we all want to say, oh, I have a big God, of course. But what kind of problems do you have? You have big problems or small problems? So it's said that if you have a small God, you're going to feel like you always have big problems. But if you trust that you have a big God, you're always going to have small problems. Somebody once said, you know, what's, what's the key to life? He says, don't sweat the little stuff. And then he added, and realized that it's all little stuff. Holy God is big, bigger than we could imagine. Let's learn to trust in him. Let's have a proper perspective. Hezekiah says, God, can you believe this? Look at what they're saying about you. And look at what they did to all these other nations. And of course they did, because they trusted in gods that weren't even real gods. They were statues of gold, of, of uh, clay and wood. And he exalts him. He calls him the, the creator, the one and only true God. Beloved, when we put God in his rightful place, and we, we as, as much as we're able to understand how big and how powerful and how awesome he is, then in comparison, everything else falls into place. If we don't have this trust in God and his goodness and grace and power, then things come around and we panic. And that tells you you have a, 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 a small perspective of who God is. But once you grow in the grace of God and the knowledge of God, you realize that no matter what comes around, beloved, God is in control. His love and His grace and His mercy are always at work, no matter what's going on. Hezekiah could have easily panicked. The Assyrians were taking over everyone. The Assyrians had already taken over uh, the, the ten northern tribes of Israel. Physically speaking, Hezekiah had no chance of withstanding the Assyrian attack. But he didn't care about that because he cared and understood that his God is a great and awesome God. I love that perspective. So, you know, what kind of God do you have and what kind of problems do you have? You know, problems, has, it's been said that problems are opportunities in disguise, and that sounds really great, right? Problems are opportunities in disguise. Kind of like just think positively and, and things will be all right. Things will work out. Well, I agree with that. Problems are opportunities in disguise, but the opportunities is where we may differ. I believe problems are opportunities in disguise, and these opportunities are for us to remember how weak we are and to remember how strong God is and for us to learn to depend on Him and trust in Him. That is how God is glorified. Just like David confronting the, the uh, giant Goliath. What's this little kid going to do against this lifelong warrior twice his size? David didn't care because he was doing it for God's honor and God's glory. That's how we, sh we should be taking on problems or opportunities. But these opportunities do teach us, beloved, and they humble us because they make us realize that we can't do it on our own. We need God. 
Look, cross, the, uh, cross Point's leadership dares to have a big new vision because we believe in a big God. For our future, we envision our church growing by the tens, hundreds, and even thousands. And I dare look at you directly and say I have zero doubt about that. Zero. I know that God wants to use us mightily. And it's not about numbers, but it is about growing his kingdom. And I believe God has chosen us in a special way to do something special for him. Because he is a great God. We see many people develop for leadership in the future. Future preachers, teachers, elders, deacons, ministry leaders, great moms and dads, brothers and sisters. Everyone being developed here through our simple discipleship process based on God's word. We see everyone at Crosspoint engaged in worship in, in worship, and, and plugged in in a small group and service teams. Yeah, I said everyone. That is the expectation. That is the vision that everyone that comes to our church and chooses to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be plugged into our Sunday morning worship experience services. That they will be plugged in to a small group and they will be committed to grow in there together and that they will be committed in serving in a in a serving the world with love through a service team all of us when you become a member of crosspoint that is what it means to be a member of crosspoint we honor and glorify god by doing and following these steps we see us starting new congregations in other cities near and far and that is not a far-fetched idea beloved i see what god is doing in our hearts I see the type of people that he's developing and bringing. I have no doubt that we will either have satellite churches or other daughter congregations as God sees fit and as he guides us and leads us. And we need to be ready for that. And we see us supporting and collaborating with existing faith-based ministries that are already doing great work around us. There's a lot of great work being done. And we want to come alongside and support, encourage, and be involved in many of these ministries. And I'm so excited about that. We're going to impact this world, but we don't have to do it alone. We need to have the proper perspective about God. We need to learn that God is great, God is awesome, God is powerful, and God is intimately desiring for you to experience His power through your life especially in those problems or opportunities that may otherwise be a little scary. Point number four, 2 Kings 19, 19, the first portion is we're going to look at the petition. Look at this petition, 2 Kings 19, 19, verse A. Sorry, verse 19, section A, the first part of verse 19. He says, now therefore, O Lord God, I pray, save us from his hand. Simple prayer, kind of like Peter as he's going down after having walked a couple steps on water. Lord, save me. I believe God delights in those types of prayers. Let's get to the point. What do you need? Lord, save me. Save me. The petition, short and sweet, right to the point. Look, God already knows what you need before you even ask him. We see that in Matthew 6, verse 8. We need to learn to be straightforward and specific in our petitions. Don't be afraid to ask. Look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. God says, you know, if, if your earthly parents and fathers 
You know, if you ask them for something, they don't give you something to harm you. If they ask you for a piece of bread, they don't give you a serpent or a scorpion. Now, if, you're, if your earthly fathers know how to do good, understand that your heavenly father so much more is willing and able to do good for us. Don't be afraid to ask. Many of us have a hard time asking. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You have a hard time asking. You have a hard time maybe asking God, and you certainly have a hard time asking for help from other people. You need to stop that. That's pride, beloved. That's arrogance. And, and here's, a, here's a funny part. Arrogance can easily be disguised. Oh, I don't want to bother this, bro. You know, they're so busy. You know, and we play the victim. Stop it. We're not victims. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Let's start acting like it. God has major work that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in for us to do. We don't have time to be victims. We need to face our problems. We need to face our situations and opportunities. Ask for help. Not be ashamed. Go straight to the point and ask. If you're one of those people that has a hard time asking for help, you need to remedy that. And start with, start with something small. Ask for help. Learn to ask for help. As Crosspoint, we want to say to our Father, save many. That's what I want more than anything, that God would use us to save many. I don't know who those people are. He does. And we pray that he would send them to us, that he would send us to them, that he would save many. That is our single focus. When we talk about a simple discipleship process, that is reaching out to the lost with the gospel and letting God transform their lives and saving them. And then we develop them and equip them and encourage them so they can go out and find more people for God's kingdom. Our prayer is, Father, save many. Use us for your honor and glory. Last point, we got to end it right here. So not only we realize that problems are always going to arise, we present the problems to the Lord, we take a proper perspective about who God is, we, we lay out the petition, and then, I love this part, we talk about promoting God's glory is the motive. Promoting God's glory is the motive. Look at 2 Kings 19, 19, this, the last section. I'm, I'll start with, I'll read the whole verse. Now therefore, Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand. Why? That all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the God, the Lord God, you alone. We want God to save many so that many would know that God is Lord, the only Lord of heaven and earth. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, to which every knee shall bow and declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We want that more than anything. That is our laser focus for our new discipleship plan. That is the highest motivation for our petitions. It needs to be that the world may know that God alone is the Lord of all. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whatever you do, eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. At Crosspoint, it is our sincere desire to bring glory to God by seeing many come to salvation through the simple discipleship process we plan to implement in the next few weeks. 
We want people to experience God through worship on Sunday mornings, worship services. We want people to commit to spiritual growth in small groups. And we want people to serve the world with love in ser- through service teams. This is going to require some recalibrating in our part. It will mean having us to have an open mind and openness to change. It means being willing to follow the leadership of the church as they strive to follow what we believe is the Lord's leading. It means committing to being an essential part of a Crosspoint family. No more hiding, beloved. If you're part of Crosspoint, you got to be right up in the front and center, front and center, saying, Lord, here I am. What do you want to do? Use me. We pray that you are willing to be part of this family. As we get closer to to the relaunch date, we want to acknowledge the necessity of prayer for this. And to this end, we will begin a church-wide prayer campaign, a 40-day prayer campaign that we're calling uh, on everyone to be part of this. And it starts tomorrow, Monday, the 15th of June. For 40 days, there's going to be a plan for prayer. Uh, Several Crosspoint leaders got together for this part on Friday to uh, pray for specific areas of our church, current and future for our current and future congregation. And we'll have a video that we want to show you. So take a look at this video. This is how we are getting, we were kicking off the 40 days of prayer campaign as we get ready to relaunch, reopen, choose a new senior pastor and implement the new simple discipleship process here at Crosspoint. Take a look. It was a great experience, beloved. I'm telling you, getting together, praying, walking through the, through the campus and just spending time in prayer was so powerful, we realized that if anything is going to get done, we need to be in prayer. That's our kickoff. Monday, we begin 40 days of prayer. Uh, You're going to be getting emails, reminders. I really hope that all of us get on our knees and pray for God to save many through Crosspoint. Just in case you're wondering, you're thinking like, Mike, so what happened to Hezekiah and, and Judah? I'll tell you what happened. God wins. The angel of the Lord in one night goes out and kills 185,000 from the camp of the Assyrians. God will fight our battles. Let's learn to trust Him. I hope you're blessed by this message. And um, I'm so excited to see what God has in store for us, beloved, as a congregation, as individuals, and as a group. And because we are a congregation, because we are a family, I want us to experience taking communion together. And so if you're prepared for that, we're going to go ahead and do that. We're going to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. What are we going to tell people when God brings them to us? We're going to tell them that the God of heaven and earth, The only true God became a man, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived 33 years, a perfect life, in order that he would give his life as a payment for their sins, for my sins, for our sins. And he wants us to repent of that sin. He wants us to acknowledge our need of him. He wants us to acknowledge that only he can save through what Jesus did on the cross for us. And he wants us to identify in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection through baptism and declare that we are followers of Jesus Christ and that He is Lord of all. That is in part what we remember as we take communion. It's a great time 
to confess our sin, to analyze our walk with the Lord, confess what needs to be confessed, and recommit to following Him and trusting Him and learning about the necessity of prayer, being constantly in prayer. The Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray, beloved. Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us to spend this time together and learning about the necessity of prayer and having an opportunity to look at Hezekiah as an example. Help us to learn these lessons and implement them in our lives. We trust in you and your power, and your provision, and your blessing going forward as Crosspoint. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, beloved.